Good evening, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Life, Leadership, and the Pursuit of Greatness podcast, episode 41. Uh, we have Coach Carl Fichte from Caledonia, Minnesota uh, with us. We're going to get to him in just a minute, but just want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, again, this podcast is for you as a leader. Uh, it doesn't matter that you're a football coach. You could be a, a person in your house looking to lead your family. You could be a business owner. Uh, you're a regular employee. Uh, your job is to be the best version of you, and that's what we're here to help you try to figure out how to do better. Um, with me is my co-host, Dwayne Mathis. How are you, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, you, you're scrambling a little bit, um, Coach, because uh, you you gained a game a week earlier than you necessarily anticipated, right? Well, didn't necessarily gain a game, but we we moved our start of our season up a week because we, at the tail end of our schedule, we lost a game due to a um, a team that uh, ended up dropping uh, their football season for this fall due to the fact that they they are. Um, it's Woodward Academy and they, you know, house in-house their students, um, you know, that are, you know, troubled youth, at-risk students. Um, and they actually don't just handle, you know, state of Iowa kids. They take kids in from all over the country. And so they just felt that was probably too too much risk with kids coming in and out of their, their facility from all over the country. And so they just decided uh, we're not going to, you know, take that risk of putting other schools at jeopardy. Um, you know, so that's actually pretty thoughtful on their, on their account. Uh, but, uh, so we lost our, our last game of the season, which would have been senior night. Uh, so kind of a bad deal there, but, uh, we were fortunate enough to actually the team that we were going to scrimmage, uh, we got permission from the state association and, and they said, uh, if you wanted to make that into a week zero game, since you lost the game, we certainly would allow that. And, uh, they did. And, um, so we're, you know, Monday morning, we're starting practice instead of camp week. So here we go. Love it. Love it. Well, our, our guest is uh, Carl Frichty, again, head coach at Caledonia. He's um, a state championship 10 of the last 14 years up there in Class 2A football, has literally transformed a community uh, since the mid-90s. If you remember earlier uh, in our podcast, we had Coach Ash from Minnetonka High School uh, Coach Ash is close, closely tied with Coach Frichty, and and we needed to get Coach on and, and talk about his direct experience with with transforming a community. And so, Coach, I know you've been sitting there patiently, but thanks so much for joining us tonight. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. I'm just really humble, humbled, uh, Tim and Dwayne, that uh, you've asked to, to talk to us and, and just pick our brains. And likewise, I want to pick your guys' brains and learn as much as we can. Well, I think um, people that don't know you and don't know your story, you've had a book written about your town by Coach Ash, Rise of the Warriors, right? Correct. Yes. Um, I tried to uh, discourage Mark from writing that for over a year. Um, I jokingly told him that his wife and my wife would be the only two to buy it. Um, but, uh, you know, Mark, Mark's pretty persistent. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm very pleased with uh, – I hate individualism. In, in any sport, and especially football, because uh, it takes a community, it takes a, a whole tribe. And uh, Mark did a great job of getting as many uh, athletes and people as he could in it. So I was very pleased. Well, it's it's an incredible story, and we will have a link to it in our podcast when this thing is is out on on where they can buy the book. Um, I've read it. Um, I've got several of my staff members that have read it. Dwayne has read it. 
Um, and we were blown away by it. And so we're just thrilled to have you talk about the concepts. Really, they come down to just leadership in, in general. Would you agree with that, Coach? Yes, yes, absolutely. And then having the guts and the fortitude to step up and do it. And, uh, you know, not worry about what, uh, you know, your fellow community members think. Because, you know, mm. it doesn't matter if you're 54, like, you know, my age, or if you're younger, um, we all feel that peer pressure and you have to be strong enough spiritually and, and uh, you know, emotionally to disregard the negatives and just keep fighting. Mm. Coach, when you talk about have the guts, um, can you dive into that a little bit deeper and in, in what you, your thoughts are on that or just your, your opinion on that when you say to have the guts to not uh, pay attention to the, the background noise, I guess you could say? Well, yeah, and, and just to give a little background about our community, you know, we're very German, uh, Norwegian, Irish, you know, and, and uh, right, our greatest strengths are our greatest weaknesses. And one of the weaknesses, right, Fricti's German, is that uh, – maybe those people like to drink a little bit too much, um, you know, and to me, it's, it's way overrated. Um, you know, it's just, I just despise guys how, you know, what's high school to a lot of people partying and, and running around and there's no goals, there's no, uh, direction. And unfortunately that's where our school was at. Um, the guy that I coached under Mark Fraley was a great Christian man. Um, I respect him. Uh, these are things that we've talked about, for, for whatever reason, he just couldn't get a handle of it. And um, we tried as coaches to help him. Um, it just didn't work. It backfired. And I'm really not for sure why I have my thoughts. But again, um, he's a great man and I respect him to this day. We tried a different approach. We tried where we, we came with education, uh, more with the science. Um, I would directly, you know, for lack of a better term, attack the boys on, here's what it's doing to you. Here's what it's doing to your testosterone. Here's what it's doing to your heart. Here's what it's doing to your brain. And, and um, I, I took a lot of grief for it. Um, a man in our community that was an All-American uh, in wrestling um, was a bad dude. Uh, actually, we went nose to nose. You know, I'm, I'm young 20s. This guy's a legend in our community, and he jumped me at a, at a wedding dance. And, um, you know, there was two things I could do, right? I could, we could go at it or I could walk away and I decided to suck it up and just went nose to nose with them. We didn't come to blows, but uh, I wasn't going to back down. And, um, you know, thank God that he didn't, you know, <laughs> but to be honest, you never want to get in a fight with a wrestler. Right. Um, but uh, I, I didn't back down and, uh, you know, it caught the attention of, attention of almost everybody at that wedding dance. And it was a very uh, popular family. And um, I, I just think too many guys just get distracted. They let the noise of their community uh, waver their uh, core values. And I think, you know, I, I don't mean to be critical, but there's just too many of us that are weak and we don't know what we're trying to accomplish or we, or we do, but we're just too scared to go out there on a limb. And uh I was either too dumb, too naive, or I just, you know, I, I just didn't care. I wanted us to win and I wanted us to change lives. And uh, um, you, you got to be able to battle. You know, I mean, I got my wife and that's all I need. So. I love it. I love it. Coach, when, when you, when you took over that program, that was late nineties. Is that right? Correct. Yes, sir. So, so walk us through kind of that beginning journey. Um, I, 
you know, you don't have to give the long version, but walk us through what it was like when you got started, because your community, you mentioned had, you know, a lot of drinking problems, a lot of fighting problems. Mark mentions it in the book. Um, and he, he succumbed to that when he was younger and, uh, he had to have sort of an awakening, um, to that, to that notion that, you know, there's a different way to do things. And I think probably the story that you have, um, and I don't mean to go on here, but probably speaks to a lot of small towns in yeah. Iowa, small towns everywhere. You know, yep. people can't leave. They don't get out of their own way. Um, and they end up at the local you know, pub 25 years after high school, wishing they would have done something different. So talk or, about what you did different. Or like I have local coaches that talk to me and they're like, well, they just don't want to change. You know, that's what we did in 83. Why would we change in 2020? You know, and it, it, it you just somehow we, we just got to stay the course. Um, you know, like I said, I had a great mentor in front of me and I, I got to see everything that he did that didn't work. And, you know, I was on, you know, we were, we were trying to help him to do what we could. Um, and actually Mark left because of the drinking issue. He didn't want to raise his kids in that type of issue issue. And we also got soccer in Caledonia in the early twenties. We still have soccer. We are a small two A school and we were adamant that we shouldn't have had it. And I still believe we shouldn't have, have it, but that's for another talk. Um, it, my point is that we're just too small of a school and, and yeah, it should stay in Europe, but whatever, we'll go back to the other issue. Um, and so to me, I recognized early that you had to be like a counselor. Uh, our D coordinator, Brent Schrader always tells everybody that, you know, Carl's been our D or been our counselor since I started coaching in 88. And to me, it's a personal, personal relationship. Uh, my first quarterback, John Hauser, as soon as the school, you know, hired me and, oh yeah, by the way, most of the town thought it was the worst hire ever. I had a number of businessmen. I knew, I knew they weren't happy with it, uh, but they didn't have the guts to tell me. But then of course, 20 years later, then they, you know, they told me and I'm like, yeah, I figured something was up. You guys didn't, you know, they didn't want to talk to me. They didn't want to be around me, mm. but, but that was okay. Um, so I picked up Johnny. We went for a drive. I always think if you can get kids, you know, right. If you can go get them alone in a car, you know, driving, just listening to some good music, you know, break bread, go eat, you know, just sit down, have a burger. Or in this case, we went to have breakfast and uh, we just hashed it out. You know, and part of it is I really wanted to know how much they wanted to be, you know, really, truly into football. And they did, but they didn't know how to. And the number one thing for me was we had to get them away from the party scene and we had to somehow find a weight program. And in my my eyes, I love speed, the speed part of football. We had to come up with a speed system. So, but but the first thing was to break that drinking and drug cycle. Mm. So, coach, when you're looking at um, when taking over that program a number of years ago, in your mind, what was the first thing that you needed to establish with your players or even with, I'd say on, on, in three phases, actually, because this is something that Tim and I had talked about with your with your players, within your community and with your parents? Well, f first of all, it wasn't it wasn't important. And to me, you know, as I looked at our program, um, we didn't have any morals or values. And again, it it sounds like I'm backstabbing Mark and I don't mean to come off that way. To me, you have to clearly say, you know, we, we, we put it right on the grease board. God, King Jesus Christ is number one. Two, his family. 
Three is school. Four is athletics. I don't say football because we have great basketball. We have great wrestling. Some kids like baseball. I'm also the head track coach. Some guys like track. But you can give 100%. I think we underachieve in this country. Uh, parents tell their, talk to their kids about how you, you know, you got to sort of save yourself and you can only be good in this and you can only be good at that. I think that's hogwash. I think the Lord has made us great and we can be great in everything or we can be better in everything. Maybe, you know, maybe great's a strong word. Maybe you can't be great in everything, but you understand what I'm saying. Yeah. You know, I don't care if wrestling's your favorite sport. That is great. But you need to give us 100% in football to make you a, a better wrestler. And so we tried to get through to them that, you know, don't limit yourself and don't let your parents limit yourself. Um, and we just talked about with the community. I just made it very clear to the parents that, you know, football is going to be a priority. Uh, letting them run around, party, and then sleep over, you know, oh, you took their keys and that makes it okay. No, that's not going to fly. Uh, you know, we, we start talking to them about rearranging their vacations. Um, you know, things like that. Uh, you know, just the whole concept of making it a priority, but not making it the priority. I think it's impressive because when I when when I talked to Coach Ash, and I think I reiterated when I talked with you, is that he mentioned um, your fours and your years four and five were some of the most challenging uh, for you, and then it started to turn around because you were really f- fighting for that weight program. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, it, it reminds me a lot of the program I'm in, fighting for the weight room. Year four was a struggle. Year five looks like it's going to be a little bit better. We hope we have the season. They got a great senior group. Talk about that transformation. What into that? When it went into that? Yeah, just well, a lot of days of just being there with three guys, four guys. Um, I sort of cringe when I hear coaches up here talk about we only had five guys and I kicked them out and I sent them home. What? What? What, what are you doing there? That is your opportunity to connect with five guys. Mm. Get them to more of your thinking. You know, I mean, there was a lot of summer days where it would be three, five, seven. You know, and we just talk to them in a, in a great way about how to approach your teammate, how to talk to them about, no, partying isn't the number one deal. You know, running around with women isn't the main thing here. Um, you know, just, again, setting their priorities and encouraging these guys to have the courage to grab these guys and say, hey, we're going to do this. Um, about this time was when the seven on seven started to be a big thing. And, um, well, I actually with Mark, too, they started to come in. I mean, <clears throat> I don't know if you guys know where we're at. We're way in the southeastern corner. Here's how dumb I was. I took uh, 12, 15 guys up to Grand Forks for a summer. Oh, my goodness. The reason we did it, though, was we got them away from the town. We got them in a hotel. They, get, they were a night sober. They got to have some fun. They got to be by them. You know, we, we, we let them have their time. We didn't, you know, we weren't a dictator over them. We let them call most of the plays because I wanted them to experience, here's some real leadership, right? Sometimes as coaches, we dominate so much that we don't allow them to be a leaders. Or if then they make a mistake, we jump on on them too hard, right? Can't squash it. So we went up there and uh, uh, I don't even remember how we did. But, you know, um, one one year we went to St. Ambrose, Mm. uh, way down in the Quad Cities. Um, you know, we, we got in a hotel, we snuck some kids in, paid for one room. We had 15 kids in one room, maybe 
maybe not legal, but uh, you know, I, I will have to say, my wife let me write all the checks. We had no booster club. We had no money. I don't know why she did it. Um, she bought into the vision just as much as I did, and you guys know it too. If you don't have a great wife, you're in trouble. And yeah. uh, uh, you know, we went down there and had a great day. And and but we, you know, just, you know, just the other day, I took a bunch of kids up to Northern State, and we came back. Those are the best times. That's when you get to really one-on-one time with them and say, here's what I need you to do. Here's how you can word this better. Here's how you can get these guys to think like us. Um, and I just, I don't, you know, uh, we, we did a speak clinic way back in the day. And uh, this was when I was an assistant, guys. And, uh, again, the head coach had family planned. None of the coaches came. I had 30 kids tell me they were going to come. Guess how many came? It was like 30. No, no, it was like 12. And, uh, of course, the speed coach from the University of Minnesota was furious with me, but we paid him the whole 50, you know, that we said we were going to have. But, my, you know, they were just used to lying and just, you know, not following through. And I just wasn't going to accept that. So, Coach, how many, like when you took over or prior to taking over, how many kids did you have on your t- – how many would you say you averaged on a team? Well, we were a bigger school then, too. Remember, we were a 3A school. Our classes were bigger. We're down to 60 kids right now. And, um, 9 through 12 or varsity? No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 60 a class. My bad. Okay. Sorry. So our senior class has 60, bo- uh, 60 kids. So, right, 30 boys. We get about half of them. Um, just a little bit over half. Uh, our numbers were probably decent um, back then. Um, you know, I'm going to say around 20, 22 guys a class. Okay. Oh, that's good. Yeah. So you're talking yeah. close to like 80 kids in your program, 9 through 12? Yeah. So out of those 80 kids, like how, how prevalent was alcohol in, in your program with your well, – I'm probably, probably going to get lit up by this because I would say the majority. But oh, wow. that – I might be wrong, but that's the way it felt. Hmm. You know how it is yeah. when you look over the the loudmouth, dopey guy thinks he's the dude, and you know you got to put him in his place, right? And you know, I, I realize you're dealing with a high school kid, but we're also trying to change lives. So that was also one of my job was uh, try to get those guys in line, and if they stepped out of line, it was okay. Heck to play. Did did the school have their own like good conduct policy per se in regards to like if someone got caught drinking or anything like that? Yeah, we 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 we're very strict. We go by the state high school league rules, and you know it's two, four, six, twelve. You know, would you do anything above and beyond that kind of deal to kind of help deter kids, or what was your own personal running? Or or would you just oh running? Okay, yeah. Yeah, a lot of bear crawls, a lot of up downs, uh, things like that. Right. Yep. Yeah, one of well, Tim just uh, had an experience. Uh, Tim, uh, uh, Tim, and I both have used uh, one of those, you know, kind of the big wheel of fortune wheels. You know, mm-hmm. you have and you know, you can dry erase board and kind of write your punishments on it. And like, I've used it before. If kids miss a practice, an unexcused uh, absence, they have a, a wheel spin. I call it the wheel of misfortune, and on there mm-hmm. some uh you know different uh things that they've had to do like a hundred hundred yard roll or 200 yard roll or you know what was yours tim that uh, your uh, athlete had to do uh, um we called it a killer it was a hundred yard bear crawl hundred yard crab walk hundred yard backpedal and a hundred yard sprint right. 
And, um, you know, the whole team finished with him though. Um, and they just lost their mind. They were going crazy. I haven't seen that kind of emotion, uh, from, from a group effort in, you know, quite some time. It was, it was pretty cool. I got a video of it. I'm not, I'm not going to share it because of, uh, well, you know, just so many things out there right now that people will lose their minds on that. Um, but, uh, it, it was it was a great sight to see. It was a great team bonding effort uh, for the for the team, you know. Um, so, coach, you you you've talked about speed being really. Oh, did you want to go back something? Can I just make one comment. Yeah, I would, I would also say though too that we we would not. I don't believe in in tossing a kid aside. So if he had a drinking issue, we kept after him. We kept after him. You know, tough love, not throwing him off the team. I don't believe in that. Um, We've had some kids that have quit, and I've always said they quit on us. We did not quit on them. But, you know, it was, you know, that tough father figure, son, we love you. Here's why I don't want you to be drinking. Here's what's going to happen. Here's a car accident. You know, and, and, and again, giving them articles, science. So I don't want to make it sound like we didn't, you know, we just threw them off. We did not, we did not do that. Right. But, Coach, have you, have you never removed a kid off your, off your team? Never. Wow. Um, and here, I, I know you want to get to a different subject, Tim, but if I could just go oh, a number of years ago, oh, let's see, our 14, our, oh, I, don't, I don't even know if I should say this, the last time we lost, 2014, isn't that, isn't that embarrassing? Um, That's not embarrassing. Well, it's, I say it and I'm just like, oh, I can't believe I just said that. But we had a kid that was going through a lot of issues um, he actually spent a lot of nights on our couch. He would come over at midnight just crying. His d- dad committed suicide when he was young, and he never really got over it. His mom was sort of a, you know what I'm, you know what I want to say. Yep. Um, but we love the kid and love the kid, and and um, they, the, our kids knew that we were trying to save him, and he was a heck of a football player, lineman, could have played at least at a D two level. But that wasn't why we stuck with him. We stuck with him because I wanted us to break that cycle. So he ended up actually quitting on us the day, the week, the game before the playoffs. Mm. If you can believe that, you go all that way, and then he just couldn't take it anymore. The pressure, uh, the commitment, the discipline. And I took a great kid. His name was Eli Craig, and I put him in at left tackle. Believe it or not, and I'm like, and Eli was a fullback, and I'm like, you gonna play left tackle? We're just going to make it Bob for you. You don't got to worry about anything else. We'll have the fullback pick up anything, you know. And I said, you can't do anything wrong. And our kids, guys, got it. And uh, we're just really, really supportive to this to our coaching staff for trying to save this young man. And they never, you know, they, they were never disrespectful. We lost that year in the semifinals, which was a great year, and we were really proud of it. But – uh, never any issues about it. So, I mean, just that, that just shows you the quality of young men that we have, but it was a heartbreaker, you know? So the kids still rally around the kid that, uh, you know, kind of couldn't, that stepped away from, I mean, after the fact kind of deal or tried, they tried, tried very hard. And you know how sometimes they pull, they just don't want to be there. Um, that really just shows the strength and character of your kids, though, that even though they lost a game that probably, you know, could have maybe possibly changed the outcome if that kid was still with you at, on the offensive line. That, but they were able to put that aside and, and still try to support this young man. So, 
I yeah. think a lot about your program, Coach. Yeah, yeah, we were very proud of them, and and uh, you know, to be honest with you, sad that that young man is unfortunately not turned it around. We've tried to stay in contact, but uh, like my old uh, basketball coach Ken Vanderboom, Hall of Famer coach, uh, he was my AD who hired me. He always tried to remind me, Carl, you can't save everybody. Keep trying. Um, he would call me Mr. Pollyanna sometimes, but uh, um, but it still hurts. But yeah, I, I think it speaks. Uh, your passion is clearly coming through, Coach, and I and I I, I just enjoy listening to you talk. And it, it, you mentioned God, family, school, and athletics as kind of the pillars. But what what are the non negotiables kind of core? values you have outside of that for your program that you're like, this is what we're going to be about. I know you mentioned the word speed, but I don't, that's not really where I'm getting. So you're, so you're actually going away from the things that are football, more of the, the spiritual things. Not necessarily that just more like our team is, you know, like for us, we freak is our mentality, you know, finish on empty, relentless effort, embrace competition, always accountable, known for discipline. Those are kind of our core values that we've embraced this year. Well, have yours evolved? What are they? Are they fluid or are they really just God, family, school, athletics? Yeah. In the- I, don't, I don't mean to downplay that at all, by the way. No, 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 no. Um, the reason being, Tim and Dwayne, is the, the reason we've kept those is because, again, I don't think you can be – I know every class wants to have their own identity and I get that, but I think with the way our world is, is so sped up and everything is coming at them so fast. And it's like, you know, they forget things that you tell them the day before, you know what I mean? And um, so to me, it was imperative that we keep our same four or five there and make sure that we're consistent with them. Um, I mean, to me, obviously the first one is we, 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 you know, it's a, it's a no brainer. Uh, you know, it's, it's actually what keeps me motivated. You know, the one thing that, you know, to me is, you know, I, we try to look at these boys as they're all our boys. You know, I will tell them, you know, I have one son, one, you know, natural son. Um, you're all my Isaacs. You know, when I coach girls basketball, you're all my Alicia and my Maria's. And I try to take in that mindset. And to me, that's God and, and King Christ that, keeps me motivated to do that. Um, but don't get me wrong. We love to win football games too, but you know, that, that to me is, uh, that not, I, that and I, I, I try, I'm trying, I, I'm shocked. It's what, what happens in families. Um, it, it blows me away how these people can live in the same house and not even know what their brothers or their sisters or, yeah, I, I don't know what dad's doing the last week. What, what do you mean? Didn't you sit down at supper and talk, you know? And so we really hammer that home about, you know, really man up and ask your dad some tough questions, put the cell phone away, ask him about sex, you know, ask him about drinking, ask him about, you know, how do you treat women, things like that, you know, be blunt, be bold. Um, mm-hmm. you know, to me, force, force the issue. If your dad's quiet, he's your dad, man, force him to talk to you about it. And, uh, if that gets me in trouble, so be it. It hasn't right now, but I really won't care. I got to be able to lay my head at night and say, hey, we're doing the right things. Uh, and and you speak truth to what a lot of coaches face, right? I mean, mm-hmm. um, you know, you see it. I, I think you see it at higher levels or you see that need to feel like they got to win. 
um, to, to sort of maybe compromise some things that maybe they know they shouldn't be, but that almighty dollar, that almighty W, um, you're, you're blessed. And I think it speaks to the values that you have. I mean, you know, you, you have in a relationship with Jesus. I think, um, Dwayne and I have, have seen this in all of our podcasts, the, the best leaders, the best coaches, Dwayne, stop me if I'm wrong, uh, seem to all have that strong faith base. And I, I don't believe it to be coincidence. I don't believe there's any coincidence in that. No. And I, I don't know if, you know, my, my daughter and I were listening to your podcast with Mark. I think you guys touched on it. I might be wrong, but, you know, just uh, maybe throw it out there real quick. You know, I had my moment, you know, where I'm pretty sure I had football as my God. Um, still loved my wife, loved my kids, loved being – I brought my kids to practice all the time, and that included the girls. Um, but there but there got to be a point where I was just like, man, you know, you're, you're killing yourself here, and you're trying real hard. And I remember pacing the field, and, and all the kids were gone, and I was like, you know, who's the greatest teachers, you know, and then oh, forget about teachers. Who's the greatest coaches? And I'm like, ah, forget about who's the greatest coaches. Who's the greatest being? And, you know, slap me in the face. It's, oh, yeah, it's King Christ, you know. That's who I better start acting like. Now, if you saw me on a Friday night sometimes, I I, I fumble. I, I need to do a better job. Sometimes I get too emotional, and and it's nice to have friends say, cool, cool it down, Carl. But um, but we're trying, and and uh, I'm also very blunt with our kids. When I think that I've goofed up or I've, I've acted like a jerk or have said something that I shouldn't have said, I'm going to call myself out and apologize. I I think it's uh, hypocritical, and I also think it's bad leadership to not admit when you make a mistake. Um, and I, we have found that our, because we're true to that value, our kids respect us very much for it. And when they admit, uh, admit a mistake, uh, you know, if somebody uses bad language of that, and you know, you sort of call them out on it, they're like, "Yeah, I'm sorry, coach." And you know, sometimes you know, younger kids, you can tell it's it's. They're faking their way through it. But as they get older, you know that they mean it. Um, you, you can just tell. And uh, but. So, so, Coach, you kind of, uh, I think, um, implied this when you were talking about referring back to Coach Esch's podcast. But this is something that's come up in other podcasts with us. And we've had uh, people write into us and say, like, hey, how did – how did this happen? But it, it sounded like when you said football was God that, you know, you obviously put a priority on that, how much time you spent into that. So not necessarily, obviously it looks like, sounds like you've come to the realization that your priorities need to be better and spend more time with family and work balance, work personal life balances there. But, how, you know, I want to kind of get more into the, the, minutia of it and how much time would you say during the football season you spend what's a typical week look like for you in regards to how much time you spend in football and and even at home what are you spending on football now or back then during the season in a season now yeah yeah right now yeah um well i'm typically I i do nothing at home i Clearly wanted to separate it. So when I watched tape, even when I had the, even when the kids were young, I went to the school. I did not want to bring work home. Um, so back then I would be at the school probably about five. 
um, and then wouldn't get home until seven, eight. And I'd say I'm there now, six, six thirty, getting home at seven, six thirty, seven. Depend depending on if we got a youth game. Mm-hmm. You know, if you know. Um, and also my kids are grown now and, and my wife works twelve hours. Uh she, she's a nurse. So oh, okay. God bless her, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if I know she's gonna be at work, I'm gonna stay longer for the game. If she's home, then I'm gonna come home. Sure. I'll, I'll watch a half and then come home. Call the coaches afterwards and check out. Uh, so your, your day roughly starts around six in the morning, and you're usually getting home anywhere between six and seven at night. Correct. Around there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when we come back from break, we're going to touch base with with coach about uh, was there an aha moment when he knew things had, had finally turned a quarter? Uh, stay tuned. All right, welcome back to Life Leadership Pursuit of Greatness. We're with uh, Coach Carl Frichty from Caledonia High School. Coach, um, you know, right before the break, you know, we were talking uh, and had lots of great information, but, you know, you've been at that school for quite some time and you had struggles for the first five, six, seven years. Um, but when was the aha moment that you're like, I know we've got this, the work is paying off? Yeah, um, so I took over in, in 97, 98 and, Believe it or not, our first two years we made it for us. We made it all the way to the section final game, um, which is for us before you get to the state. And I always jokingly tell those guys, "Yeah, if I'd been a little bit smarter, we would have won and we would have made it to state right away." But um, then year two and three, that's when that's that's really excuse me, three and four. That's what Mark is talking about. Where um, we were just above five hundred. Um, kids were sort of slipping back into the drinking scene. And so we sort of had to up the pressure on them to, you know, this is the way it's going to be. And then in 2003, um, we were flirting about 500 and, um, the seniors just sort of, you know, so for them, you know, we, we had always had a winning record and they were, they were scared that they were going to be the first team to have a losing record. And so that was a big deal to them. And um, at that time, we were playing 3A football, and uh, Plainview, Elgin, Millville here in our area at that time was an extreme – well, they still are. Uh, but at that time, they were in their glory. That's when Coach Bill Erke uh, was winning state titles um, and so on. And we had had a, uh, we had coaches meeting back then for seating. Do you guys do that, Tim, Dwayne? No, Not you anymore. Do. No. Yeah. We used to. That's, yeah, how old I am. But it, um so we had we were the five seed playing a four seed, and the four seed uh, coach uh, totally disrespected me. And um, and Bill Erke and I from Plainview, we're we're really we're really good friends. And he kept giving me the look like, oh boy, that was a mistake, wasn't it? And I just kept my mouth shut, and uh, I walked out of there, and um, I just told the team about how disrespectful this coach was to us, and. So we went up to Lake City and we upset them. It wasn't even close. And then, so then we had, uh, I don't know if Bill, I think Bill had won two state titles in a row there. And uh, so this would, Dwayne, this would be Carl and Kevin Klug's uh, sophomore year. And um, so Plainview was on a 26, 29 game winning schedule or yeah, winning streak. And um Lo and behold, somehow we pulled it off. Our kids played awesome. We got a 
backside blitz and the ball popped up in the air and our defensive tackle Nathan Becker caught it and ran 60 yards and um, somehow got in the end zone. He was, you know, wasn't the fastest of foot, let's put it that way, but he got in the end zone and we hung on and, and won a nail biter. And um, so we broke their 26 game winning streak. And wow. it's the only time I've been on the radio um, after a, a playoff game right away. They, they came and got me and um, that was the game where we're like, all right, now they believe, now they believe mm. um, everybody was bought in. All the kids were bought in, um, you know, talking about the Klug boys, you know, a bunch of their teammates, you know, the Sam Girardis, you know, guys like that, you know, wide Hommel. Um, I know these names don't mean anything to you, but to us, they were that sophomore class that they were all in the weight room. They came during the whole summer. They wanted more speed workouts, and uh, we couldn't get enough football during the summer. No, you know there was, you know, we couldn't get enough seven on sevens, and and uh, then, you know, we were allowed to do team camps, and uh, you know we'd get fifty guys that would want. All of a sudden, things were changing, and um, mm. that that was the game that put us over the top. Coach, uh, I'm just curiosity is going to kill the cat i'm sure but how were you disrespected by the coach what was said well he he just okay coach we'll see you and and then you you exchanged tape right there and he went to bill and exchanged tape with him oh yeah um <laughs> yeah and, like why waste his time yes Exactly. Wow. And, right, so uh, a foregone conclusion that they're winning yeah. that game against you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. And uh, oh. our kids were really fired up and uh, yeah. a game wasn't even a game. And um, yeah, but you know, you know, they say uh, that kids nowadays, that stuff doesn't work. That's not true. You know, I, we always watch what we say. We always, oh, yeah. you never get bulletin that that stuff does work. I agree. Um, Especially yeah. It's too easy now with social media and I don't know how active your kids are in social media up there, but I mean, it's too easy just to screenshot something and put that in your, your PowerPoint that you give your team, you know, the week of a game to say, Hey, this is what's being said about you. Yeah. Our guys know, they know I'm not a social networking guy, but I do have coaches that do. And they know that those coaches check it for me and they stay off. And again, to me, guys, I just hate the disrespect. Um, I know some of the teams around here, they think, you know, it bugs me, but you know, they think we're a little bit cocky. I believe in being confident. Uh, we talk about, we don't look past anybody. I don't care what the record is. That's the way my dad raised us. Or you don't look past anybody. Cause as soon as you do that, they're high school kids, we're high school kids. And all of a sudden things are over. And, uh, I just, I just think it's a bad way to teach the game. I think, I think, you know, all football players, all football coaches should be respected. And uh, we try to do the best that we can to install that in them. Well, I think, you know, uh, it's, it's obvious you know, from the way that you talk, Coach, that, you know, obviously God and Jesus Christ has a major impact in your life. But if, you know, who would you say are your biggest impacts in regards to or, you know, influencers in regards to as a football coach? Who, who's helped you and helped mold you into the coach that you are now? Well, I'd say you. Well, first of all, I'm a big college guy, so let's go there first because, you know, your your listeners. Will, I'm a big Bobby Bowden fan. I've always mm. loved Bobby Bowden. Um, I've always loved uh, Woody Hayes. 
I know Woody gets a bad rap for his one incident, but when you read about that man, he was so giving. Um, he was giving to the university. He was giving to good charitable Christian organizations. He was very charitable to his own players. And none of this came out. He always kept it quiet. And then when he died, then his players came forward and said, hey, he donated here. He donated here. He was a very, he was a very good, decent man. And unfortunately, he gets called for that one instant. Um, uh, I, I love guys like that. I think Vince Lombardi was extremely uh, misunderstood. He had a great passion for people. He loved people. Um, it was it was like uh, his cross to get these people and, you know, to be better. Um, Is that sacrilegious to like Vince Lombardi in Minnesota though? Uh, I'm a, you know, I don't, I don't really care. To be honest with you. Yeah. Some people would, but uh, to me, you, you gotta, you gotta love great coaches. And uh, again, I think he's way misunderstood. Well, uh, coach, we had Bill Curry who played for him on. Oh, um, did it really? Yeah. Yeah. Back in March. He wrote a great book too. Yes. The men you meet in the huddle, the 11 men you yeah. meet in the huddle. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. Phenomenal. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I, I had to. No, I mean, I, I just love the college game. I love college guys. You know, Jerry kill, um, you know, Isaac consider my son, Isaac played for Jerry um, and considers him a second father. And I'm, I'm thrilled to hear that. Um, Jerry had very good morals, very good values. Um, you know, locally, uh, Mark Frailing, Chris Fadness, great basketball coach out in Austin. He and I coached men's uh, boys basketball year. Uh, Ken Vanderbilt, my AD. Um, you know, I took a little bit from all those guys, to be quite honest. Um, stole from everybody, right? You know, and, and you just go from there. I think I, I think the thing that's so intriguing about your story, Coach, is that you – I mentioned it earlier, but you're a small town. And so everyone in your school coaches I'm speaking of is fighting for the same kids. Correct. And you've clearly shown that you can have success in a small school uh, while still having multiple sport athletes. So you've, you've tied the weight room and you've tied the, uh, the benefit of multiple sports for kids. Talk through that because I think that's a language that, it's getting harder and harder to speak, even in smaller schools. Um, you know, number one, the value of the weight room, not just from a confidence standpoint, and then building that base, but then the ability to get get beyond that and understand when everybody is competing, all your athletes, your your program is going to skyrocket. Well, yeah, and first of all, yeah, we're very blessed. We have a lot of great head coaches here that um, we're all on the same page. A lot of great assistant coaches. We're all on the same page. We talk a lot about it. We talk amongst ourselves. Um, you know, and you also got to throw in their guys' speed workouts. Mm. The miss, miss, the biggest mistake people think about speed is that you got to run the crap out of them. Mm. You, don't. you don't. That is not how to get kids fast. It's a system. It's a plan. You got to know what to do and how to do it, how, how many plyometrics, how many sprints. The, the, the shoulder activity, the knee drive, the, the foot drive. So, you know, we work out in the winter and we do it at 630 in the morning. We're ready to go and we'll have 70 kids there. And that includes the girls. Hmm. Uh, we're very honest with them. If they got a game, we don't want them to come. Some of the athletes like to come, excuse me. And so we'll like, 
okay, you're only going to do this many reps while everybody else is going to do this many reps. Or if, if a kid tells me, hey, my legs are sore, we expect them to act like men. Um, you, you two know and I know who the real workers are and who the ones who are the sloughs. The guys that are really into it, they'll, you know, like, coach, I'm, my, leg, my legs are a little tired. We had AU practice. Perfect. We're going to cut it in half for you. And our other kids get that. There's no jealousy, and we talk about that. And we, we ask them to think like men or women when the, when the girls come. And uh, it's all about making yourself better, but understanding that Billy may only do seven sprints. You may end up doing 10 sprints. And they don't get jealous about that. And we're really, really proud of that. Um, help me out, Tim. Sorry, I sort of rambled there. What was the beginning of that question again? No, I was really just speaking to the value of getting everybody. Yeah, the coach is on board with everything you're talking about. Well, again, I'm very proud of our guys. Um, all I ask, like, is that if if they got a baseball or a basketball or a track, that they'll just text text me and let me know, so that I know, hey, they they're, they got guys. Legion baseball is here. They're gonna, you know. And we talk about how baseball, track, wrestling, basketball is going to make you a better sport, and we're going to help. You know, my basketball coach, or our basketball coach, is also my wide receiver coach. It's Coach Brad King. His sons were, you know, have been tremendous players for it. He gets it. Shane Mahoney from Walcon, Iowa. Thank God he's moved up to Caledonia. He's a great wrestling coach, and he, him, and Brad work so well together. If a kid's not going to wrestle, Shay wants him to play basketball. If the kid's not going to play basketball, Brad's telling them to get out for wrestling. So we work together and we talk about how these sports help one another. And then I always tell everybody, when we go to camps and seven-on-sevens, I'm not there to impress the other schools. We've gone with 10, 12 kids, and we've had kids do wrestling and basketball, and we've brought up young kids. We just want to get them reps. And other schools will beat us, and they'll go crazy and I just giggle because it's like, it doesn't matter. Mm. You know, we're getting all these reps for these ninth graders. We're getting all these reps for these 10th graders. We just want to compete. Yeah. And I think people underestimate that. And, and uh, yeah, we're, we're, we are blessed, guys. We are. We are, we are we're all on the same page. Has it been a struggle at, at your school, though, to get – and it's not necessarily, you know, to be honest with you, Coach, what I've found – is it's not necessarily the kids that it takes to get on the same page. It's the coaches. Correct. Because, you know, I've been in, in schools where, you know, for instance, you know, and, and this is the one thing where I kind of get a little, uh, you know, a little perturbed in the sense of, you know, football isn't like baseball, for instance. And I'll, I'll pick on baseball here because, you know, they do fall ball. They do spring ball. They do, you know, they have, you know, during the winter time, they do pitching sessions, even kind of deal with the, their players. You know, football, our off season is lifting weights in the summertime. Kind of, do. we don't do a lot of stuff during the school year with our football players. It's the only thing that I ask my players to do is I, number one, I say, I want you out for another sport. If you're not out for another sport, then you're in our off season lifting program. I go, but that's the only thing I ask them to do. We don't do any drills or anything like that. And so I feel like I don't ask a lot out of my players except during the summertime when it can be a little bit, you know, maybe a little demanding. Um, but, uh, you know, so I feel like, you know, those some other sports are a little even more demanding of kids' time. But then, um, you know, it, it's it's frustrating when 
per se that's baseball, for instance, because we our baseball program plays during the summertime uh, here in Iowa, uh, you know, that they don't su- turn around and support, you know, them to you know be in the weight room per se. Yeah. yeah. When when uh, you, you, you know, you go to colleges and all the baseball teams have got a strength coach. My daughter, you know, was a strength coach at Winona State. And now she got a job at Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. Um, you know, uh, she's going to be their strength coach. Um, so I, I don't get it either. Uh, our baseball coach here in town, um, he's, a, he's a very good baseball coach. He just sort of trusts us on this, you know, and we talk to him. You know, we show the guys. Uh, sometimes you got to convince their dads too. But, again, finding evidence, scientific evidence where, you know, the lifting, the core, all that sort of stuff, um, you know, is going to make them a better baseball player. You know, as I've been told, guys, they do the 60-yard sprint in baseball. Is that correct? That's what I've been told. So, um, yeah, that's what – yeah. So they do the 60. You know, that's what it is around the – look at me, a track coach telling you guys this. Um, Baseball path. Yeah, as you can tell. See, I've researched it. Yeah. (laughs) 60 yards around the base path. And that's one of the time, just like we do the 40. Mm. And it's like, okay, coaches, you know, what you're doing doesn't match up here. doesn't make sense. So, um, you know, for us, you know, Dwayne, I, I'm sure you've had that talk. I keep having that talk and I keep showing him scientific evidence where he's making a mistake. Well, and I've said this before, I think ultimately is, you know, us coaches can, you know, chase each other's tails around and around on this until you get strong leadership at the top that just basically says like, you know, look, this is no, this is no longer an option. This is what's going to happen. You're going to continue to chase those tails. I mean, uh, yeah. you know, that's where, that's where it starts. Leadership starts at the top, right? I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, the other thing too, Dwayne, that, that I think, um, <clears throat> doesn't get a lot of talk around here is um, I get a lot of parents that thank me for letting their son go to Legion baseball or, you know, basketball or wrestling tournaments. And they're like, you don't get upset about it. I'm like, no, I'm not going to, it's gotta be about the kid. And then the, the kid sees it, man, he really wants me to be a great wrestler. So I'm going to bust my tail for football for him because, you know, he let his, his actions are showing through. And again, I think sometimes, at least in Minnesota, Dwayne, you know, we got these tournaments and these football camps. We, we tried to scrimmage, a, I won't say the school, but it's a 4A school. We like to play big schools um, just because we want to go against as many great athletes as you can. And his top quarterback and his top wide receiver weren't going to make it, so he canceled. And I'm like, what? My top quarterback is at basketball. Yeah, I got my top wide receiver, but who cares? It's seven on seven. I think there's just too much egotistical pride amongst coaches. It's seven on seven and team camp. You know, we shouldn't worry about what other coaches think about us. You know what I mean? Uh, I know I don't judge other schools. What I judge is do their kids work hard? Do they be, do they do the right things? Are they trying to do what the coach does or excuse me, says if they do that and they get beat, Hey, Hey, they're doing the right things, man. Um, we, we let other things distract us. Well, you know, the, you know, the saying comparison is the thief of all joy. And, uh, you know, we, we get caught up into that and I don't know if you're a Tim Kite or Brian Kite guy focus three podcast, but, um, you know, they talk about that big ego versus a strong ego. And I would, I would 
I would go out on a limb here on, on my life here, Dwayne, and say that Coach Frickty has a strong ego, does not have a big ego. I and uh, I, th I, I think that speaks a lot to how your program is, is sustaining. Um, so I, I would love to know, you, you said you haven't lost a game in 2014. I know you're not bragging. You're really just speaking truth. What is it about the sustainability that's allowed you to do that? Um, can you speak to that? Well, you mean besides having great athletes? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, listen, you, you have athletes like everybody else have that has athletes. Um, and I think sometimes like I said, you know, you know, St. Thomas up there, um, you, there are winners and there are people that breed winning and then there are programs that don't. And clearly you've, you, you are on that path. And so, uh, I'm not here to blow roses up your rear end, but I, you do have something going and sustainability is a big part of that. You can, you could sit back and rest on your laurels, but you haven't. Um, well, I appreciate that for, you know, first of all, yes, starts with the athletes. I think we got a special relationship for, with most of our parents, right? Um, they trust us. They know that uh, we care about them more than as football players. And, and the reason I think that's so important is so that when I say something and I'm like, I need you to eat better. You know, like today we had practice and we had some young kids really get lightheaded. Well, then you start asking them, how much water did you drink? Mm. None. What'd you have for breakfast? No, I didn't. You know, and, and, and you know, the, the, the longer they're with us, the stronger the parents become our advocate and they'll be like doggone it coach said to get to bed before 9 p.m you're going to get to bed before 9 p.m mm -hmm. no care what your girlfriend says and that that helps right um other than that i i we are obsessive with attention to detail mm -hmm. um you are going to do it our way fearlessly and a hundred uh, just full speed um we're a full speed football team we try to play downhill we try to play extremely fast we think for the most part, most schools can't play fast for four quarters. Um, when it comes to breaking down a defense, I think my guys and myself, I'm the offensive coordinator, we really break it down big time and then try to keep it simple. We like to look for one-on-one -on -one matches, right? Um, you know, keep it simple. We, we have a lot of tall, lanky, fast kids here. That's quite a combination, isn't it? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and we like to get them out in space. And then we have good, you know, quick uh, quarterbacks and running backs that can gouge the middle. So um, we try to obviously, just like everybody else, pick on the weakest of your opponent defensively, Coach Schrader. And uh, again, we're a blow them up defensive front. We're sort of like the Miami Hurricanes, but we act better. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, we're just trying to blow up gaps. And, uh, just keep coming, keep coming, keep coming. Everybody always says, well, we're going to trap you and we're going to screen you. That's fine. We work on that relentlessly, full speed ahead. So we literally do a screen drill where you're sprinting at me at the quarterback, and then you you retrace your steps, full speed. I throw the ball, and they go pick it off. Um, so we talk a lot about visualizing stuff. Um, we talk a lot about never, never, never underestimating our opponent. Um, I've been known to lose my mind after we've won by 50 because we didn't play or respect that team as much as what we should have, if that makes sense. It does. You know, sometimes kids get lazy. Um, not, not that we're trying to run up the score because uh, it's just talking about just finish right, finish right. And even if you're a ninth or 10th grader and you're getting in there, 
We have a standard. We don't care what the scoreboard is. You are going to play our way, fast and physical. Am I going to call a more conservative game? Yes, because we are high school. But you still better be running full speed. I think you're talking execution, right? You're going to yeah. get to our standard. We're not going to lower our standard. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people don't understand that because they'll be like, your kids are flying around 100 miles an hour and you're up by 50. Yeah, they're also ninth and 10th graders or some juniors that haven't played a lot. And they deserve that. They've been practicing hard. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, we're not trying to embarrass anybody, but again, we're trying to get, get them ready for real life here. And, uh, I don't know. There's just not enough correlation in my humble opinion between getting, getting them ready for football and then becoming a great dad and husband. So coach, when you look at uh, the course of your career, you know, how would you compare, I mean, your growth to when you first started to where you are currently? I mean, would would your program look differently from the first time if you were to say, if you had, you know, could get it in a time machine and go back and and look at, uh, you know, from you know, hundred foot above drone footage of your practices and in the way you run a program, would it look very different or would it look pretty much exactly how it is right now? I would say I would do a better job. Um, I was confused on what I wanted with the speed program. Um, and I was searching and I was calling, you know, we go to Tennessee, go to Notre Dame, I'd call Florida State, you know, notice, notice I'm talking all about big schools here. Um, and it just wasn't right. You know what I mean? I mean, we're little Caledonia. Our athletes aren't Florida State athletes. So I, I, I wish I would have found Coach Basket before. Um, he's sort of who we've uh, taking our speed program from, um, late June, you guys might enjoy this. We brought in Christian McCaffrey speed coach, Brian Kula, who's a very strong Christian man. Um, and he loved it in our hillbilly part of the state. Um, <laughs> just a great guy. If you guys could ever get him on a podcast, he'd be worth it. Um, I would do a better job of that Dwayne. And I would also, we rotate now every three pay, plays on offense and special teams. Defense, we're a little bit slower, but we still rotate. Um, Can you, what do you mean rotate? Just players? Yeah. So we do a lot on air. We we do hurry up on air where I'm screaming out the, the front, the time, and the countdown. And then my coaches place the ball on the hashes, sometimes in the middle. So the quarterback's got to call it. And then – off, you know, my center's got to call the front and we make up blitzes so that they're doing everything on air and I'm screaming and I'm trying to make a lot of noise. I'm trying to distract them. Um, and so the kids rotate every three plays. And a lot of times we have we have two groups, one on each end, and they go towards each other and they go by each other. So as you can imagine, that's quite confu- uh, mass confusion. But I like that because that's a game. And mm. all of us coaches are yelling out scenarios. and uh, But the kids are rotating every three plays. And then when we break down for, uh, you know, our first game of the year is Plainview, everybody will rotate three plays. So there's no excuses. Everybody's getting plenty of reps. Um, we had a college coach come to practice this year to – great us and he said he'd never seen a high school practice that way so I was 
very humbled by that. And he said he couldn't believe all the reps our kids got. So are you familiar with Tony Holler and Chris Corfist and uh, their yeah. Feed the Cast program? Um, bits and pieces. He was at uh, – we went um, to Chicago. Did you get that brochure on uh, – Track Football Consortium. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think it came to me as an email of track, sp- track sprinting speed and football speed. Yeah. Dwayne has been there and had dinner with uh, Tony Holler. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So Brian is uh, – Coach Kula is good friends with Feed the Cat guy. Okay. Yeah. So do you incorporate kind of bits and pieces of that? It sounds like you you yeah. you definitely practice fast. Do you still try to do some other things in terms of like hitting and, and, and lifting and, t- and things like that? Or What do you mean by lifting? Well, like I – you know, I, Tony's a great guy, great coach. I, I, I think he I think he is on the other end of the spectrum in terms of how he would handle the weight room for his – for his players compared to kind of an old school, you know, get in there and bench and grind it out with squats and. Yeah. And, well, and Tony is definitely, Tony's more of an emphasis on speed than he is on, you know, strength, strength kind of deal. So yeah. like, if you want to get faster, you're going to have to, you're going to have to sprint. You're not going to lift to get faster. Correct. To a degree. I mean, you still got to have the right. We're a big Olympic lifting school. So for us, the first Monday of practice, we'll warm up after our talk. We do our little talk. Then we warm up, we lift, we, we are an Olympic lifting school. We do back squat, we do front squat, but we do all the Olympic lifts. And then they come on out and then I do speed with them. And we divide them up into two, three groups and we rotate our kids into the weight room and then the other, they come out with me and we do speed. And it's, uh, it, it, it's um, taken from Coach Dale Basquette's uh, shoulder series. We are going to implement, we already are this summer, Coach Kula's bottom mechanics with Coach uh, Coach Basquette's upper mechanics. And then from there, we go to special teams. Then we go either O skills or D skills, then O team to D team, and so on. And that's our practice. And it's extremely up-tempo and extremely fast. So we lift part of practice, 7 through 12. So then in practice, you said that you're running on air quite a bit. How often do you are you actually running like scout team against like your first team offense or defense? Um, I'd say less than half an hour. Are off, you know, a week or a day? No, a day. OK, a day uh, when we get into the season, it'd be 15 minutes. So I I put in a 15 minute series of on air where everybody nine through 12 is going up and down the field on air. Mm, so yeah. the quarterback is calling out. Here's here's the coverage. Here's the coverage. Center's calling out what the front is, and everybody's pointing and and it's on air. And I know it looks goofy, but we're making them use this. Yeah, a three front. It's a four. It's a five. Here comes the blitzer, and their their coaches, you know. Left outside linebackers blitzing here, you know, so on and so on. I love it. I love it. Well, what would – I don't know how else to say this. If someone were listening to this the first time and never knew anything about you, what would be the one thing that people would be shocked that you do uh, as as a coach? Shocked. Odd question, but yeah. – um, Like, I don't know. I coach girls basketball and the girls joke that it used to drive me crazy. I, I, I don't know. Um, 
I, I think uh, I'm, I'm pretty intense during practice. I think what always shocks the boys is when they, when they make a mistake and they admit it right away, I'll go, oh, okay, and I'll walk away on purpose. I think, you know, they expect me. To lose your mind? Yeah, you know, I mean, and let's be honest, they like to fake that, that it's worse than what it is. You know how that is. You know, he's psycho and all that. It's, it's just, <laughs> you, you, you know, like we always tell them, you know, we always ask the upperclassmen to make sure that the young guys understand. They can't hear us at U.S. Bank. They can't hear you at TCF. And I got a pretty good voice. And we always make sure that they understand that it's it's you on the field. And we allow our quarterback to always, always change the play unless we're way up. Then it's like, no, I'm just going to run the ball. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, we expect our – we don't care if it's third and 15 and we're down by 21. I called a bad play, get me out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to chew them out on that because – our quarterbacks work hard and you can't do that to a kid. And uh, um, so, you know, your reputation gets exaggerated. I'm really a teddy bear. They, <laughs> they I totally believe that. Yeah they, yeah. they just don't get it. Yeah. So coach, as we, as we wind down here, you know, one of the things that we've always asked, um, you know, our, our guests that we have on there just cause you know, Tim and I are both lifelong learners and we continue to try to seek out new material that could, certainly help us be better. So, um, you know, anything interesting that you're reading that uh, you think that we should uh, check out or something that you have read that you this was really powerful for you and you really connected to? Well, to be honest with you, I'm reading a lot of spiritual books right now, nothing football-wise. Um, and that that's fine, Coach. I mean, it doesn't have to be football-related. Yeah, I mean um, – I'm, I'm, this is going to, you guys are going to say, oh, he's crazy, but that's okay. Um, I really enjoyed reading about the Genesis 6 in the Nephilim, okay, and the dark angels and how they corrupted the seed of man. And I think it explains the Old Testament to the atheist that doesn't understand why God had to have those corrupted seed Nephilim killed. And those are the giants, right? Correct. So you know, remember how you know how an atheist will tell you, well, your God's an evil God and he hates people, and look what he did in the old testament. They don't understand. He had to because the devil was trying to pollute the bloodline of Christ. Hmm. <laughs> Sorry. That was really no, no, that is deep. Like my mind is I'm like trying to I'm wrapping my head around because you I've I've heard that so many times. Um, and it's a question I think a lot of Christians are going to ask when they get to heaven. Yes. Like, Why did you do this? Why did you do it that way? And uh, that's fascinating. I've never, I never would have correlated that. Um, I think the Bible is literal. Yeah. Do I, there's allegory, you know, where that's, you know, yeah. And revelations. Yes. I get all that. Yeah. When the Bible says, you know, Joshua and his boys saw and they, they look like crickets and there's evidence now, all the atheists, remember, and all the higher educated people that want to fill us full of garbage of evolution, they're hiding all these giant bones. People don't know this. And people are getting brainwashed and all that. His name is Gary Wayne. Gary Wayne. And he does a great series on the Nephilim. Um, the other book I really like, Dwayne, um, I don't know if you know this guy, Joseph Farrell. 
World Net Daily. Um, it's a Christian news site. He writes a great book called The Gospel in Every Book of the Old Testament. And again, it's another wonderful book that makes you open your eyes and say, here's the correlation between the old and the new. There's nothing different. Nothing. People are fooled. Right. Sorry. No, you're fine. Fascinating. I got it written down. And uh, I, I just... It's always interesting to see what what people are are doing and and how they're learning and um, clearly you you are motivated by that and I think that speaks to who you are. And I yeah, I I, uh, I I really feel sad. That's the word I'm going to use. Sad for people that believe in evolution who buy that lie. Um, when it actually to me, you got to have more faith believing in evolution than you do creation, and then. Why people, you know, think he's an evil god, and he's not. He's not. He, you know, he 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 had his. I'm going to use the word commandments to the angels that here's what you got to do for us, and they broke it, and he God could not tolerate that. Remember, God is truth, right? So that means he cannot. He he he's just so powerful that. He can't tolerate sin. So if his angels were going to sin, he had to do what he had to do, man. So I'm sorry if that sounds crazy, and but uh, uh, I, I find it very exciting. It is it has strengthened my belief even more. Well, and I think that strengthens um, your ability to have thick skin and 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 do what you do with with uh, affirmation and and strength, right, and assertiveness, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. People don't sure. think what they want to think, but it's uh, it's only the Lord that you got to worry about, man. So. Yeah, amen to that. Amen. Well, Coach, as we wrap up, is there anything that we haven't covered tonight that, that you think would be appropriate for people to know uh, or anything that you'd like to leave with, with our listeners that, you know, are interested in this whole concept of leadership? Yeah. You know, Mark and I talked about this. We think a lot of coaches are closer to pushing over this, you know, to getting their program over the top. And just when they're going to get their program over the top, they quit. Hmm. Mark and I have talked about that a number of times. And there's so many coaches that I believe are just at the cusp of getting it over the top. And then they retire or they resign. The other thing I'd like to say is all three of us are competitors, but at the end of the day, I bet you None of us. I don't. I don't judge a program by their one-loss record. I judge their program by how hard do the kids work, how hard do they play. You know, is that coach trying to make them better men? And sometimes you just don't win. You know, there's a. I got a great friend, a couple miles, about 20, 25 miles away from here. He's a great football coach. He's been coaching since the early '80s. He's probably never going to get to the state tournament, but he is one of the best coaches in this state. He makes men out of those people, those boys over there. Um, He's sort of a guy that I look up to right now, but he's never going to make the state title. But he makes his boys better, and that's what it's about. And uh, we can't worry about what the suburban crybaby parent wants sometimes. The AAU parent. It's garbage, so. That's the last I got to say, man. I appreciate that. 
Well, we appreciate you guys tuning in tonight, listening to Coach Mathis and I talk with Coach Carl Fricke from Caledonia High School. Uh, we are better because of the, well, I would say almost hour and 10 minutes we spent here today. Coach, we've got so many nuggets and so many ways to go after this, uh, but we can't thank you enough for your time tonight and uh, sharing of uh, your passion. Really, really humble, Tim and Dwayne, and uh, love what you're doing. And I love your concept, and I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Appreciate you. God bless. And, and to all of those of you uh, listening, let's keep chasing life, leadership, and the pursuit of greatness in everything that we do. Have a great night.